You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Welcome to the Locked On Hornets Podcast. I'm Walker Mail, alongside Nada Edwards. The first game of the 2018-19 season for the Charlotte Hornets is finally here. Tonight, Wait, Nada. It, it's, it's Christmas Day. It's this is tonight. what I've been looking forward to for three to four months. I cannot wait. Is this your Christmas Day? Is it the opening night yes. of NBA? So yes. I guess yesterday was your Christmas. Oh, yeah. I got to sit down, enjoy a whole bunch of basketball cornucopia, Walker. See, I I think March Madness is my Christmas. I love the NBA. I love basketball. I love sports. Mm-hmm. NBA is great. I think March Madness is my Christmas day, but this is an excellent day to go watch the Charlotte Hornets play for the first time. Yes. Like anytime you get to see the NBA happen, and we'll get to our recap, our thoughts on the Boston Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers, also Oklahoma City Thunder and Golden State. We'll get to that later on in the segment or later on in the show today. In the second segment, we'll talk a little bit about Eric Collins and how you can talk and how you can check out the game tonight and what you can expect from the broadcast. And we Mm -hmm. had a chance to talk with Eric Collins earlier today on the wake-up call, and I'll share some of his thoughts with you as well. But first, we'll lead off with a Bucks and Hornets recap. And before I do that, I want to congratulate our winners. Yeah, exactly. I want to congratulate our winners for the opening night ticket giveaway. So congratulations to Dante and Jason. Jason has been a Patreon supporter since the beginning, so that's 15 months he's been a Patreon supporter. Awesome stuff, Jason. So you are rewarded with a ticket, a couple tickets. So if you want to support the show, you can visit patreon.com slash LOH, and you can get access to exclusive content and double entries into all giveaways. And congratulations to Dante, who was our Twitter follower that was chosen randomly by Doug, I believe. Yeah, Dante. Yep, so Dante, we appreciate him as well, following us on Twitter and tuning into the show, and Jason for subscribing to Patreon. And a shout-out to our boy Pre Malone, who tweeted at us yesterday that he is also a follower of us on Patreon as well. So congratulations to those two, Dante and Jason, for winning the tickets, and uh, we will have plenty of giveaways as the regular season goes on. Nada, Bucks, Hornets tonight, Christmas Day for you, yes, and very it's certainly much Christmas a very day. exciting day for me. I was looking over some of the stuff that we should pay attention to in this game and just looking more so about the Milwaukee Bucks, just getting myself yeah. familiar with them. You know what I realized? What did you realize? A couple things. One, that the Milwaukee Bucks had a bad coach last season. Yeah. Jason Kidd is not a good coach. And I knew that. I didn't realize how easily some of the things they did could be fixed. (laughs) I'm not saying that I would have had this team winning the championship. And I'm not saying that I would have been a better head coach with a lot of this stuff, but I just feel like there were some things that could have been easily fixed with this Milwaukee Bucks thing. Walker, you would have gotten them to the second round. <laughs> I, I would well, have gotten them to the second round. And, well, and they ran into Boston, and Boston was a team. I mean, look, that Boston won fine, but they probably shouldn't have been in that seating in the first. They place. had Boston on the ropes, though. They did have Boston on the ropes. Jason Kidd, not a good coach. And just looking at some of the numbers, I also realize that there's a lot of similarities between the Bucks and the Hornets and the situations, at least, mm-hmm. that they're in right now. So let's go with the similarities first. One, 
Both are having first-year head coaches at the helm this season. Mike Budenholzer yes. and James Borrego. One with an entirely new head coaching job that is his, not necessarily with the interim tab that Borrego had in Orlando. But this is his first concrete... Yes, this is his first real job. ...head coaching job. This is Budenholzer's second. They are both products of Greg Popovich. Mm-hmm. Mike Budenholzer, a 17-year assistant under the great Greg Popovich. Borrego being the right-hand man of Popovich the last three seasons, spending two separate stints with Pop. But both are products of Popovich. Both are going to increase the number of threes that each of their teams take this season. Yeah. For instance, when you look at Mike Budenholzer, he had the Hawks when he first took them over in 2013. They were shooting just over 23 a game. He increased that number all the way to over 31 three attempts last season. Wow. So, yeah, a gradual, steadily growth from a steady growth from what you saw from him take over in 2013, just over 23 a game, all the way to 31 last season. And then you go to the season prior to that, it was with Dwight Howard, and they took less. And you look at Charlotte Hornets, <laughs> very similar trend that you saw, that Dwight Howard will affect the number of threes that you shoot in a season. The Hornets... We should have looked at turnovers, too. Yeah, well, I would, I would be interested to see the turnovers. So... And very similar in that regard, that the Hornets are going to be shooting more threes, both of these, uh, in each of their 2018-19 campaign. For instance, you look at the Hornets, the Hornets shot over 27 threes a game last season, but they shot 28 the year prior to that, Yep, and they shot 29 in their playoff year before that. And that 29 was a jump from the 24 they shot the year before their playoff run. And that was, wasn't that like the first year they had Al Jefferson too? It would have been one of those years. Yeah. It would have been very similar. So that they had Al Jefferson still, maybe not play. Well, it would have been the first year that they had No, Al. it wouldn't have been the first year because they didn't really have the shooters. Right. It was probably that, that 48 win season. So the, the year they went to the playoffs is the year they shot 29, right? The year, yeah, the, the year, 48 win season. Right. So the year before that was the year that they shot 24. So this is when we've seen where we've seen the trends through these teams kind of keep up with the modern day age of the NBA shooting all of these threes. You know how many shots, you know how many threes the Bucks took last season? I have no idea. It's probably like 15. <laughs> it's 24. Okay. That was good for 25th in the NBA last season. Good lord. Now, they only shot 36%, but if you look at some of the guys that they have, the Bucks had the personnel to shoot the threes. You can look at Tony Snell, who Jason Kidd started. Tony Snell's a 40% three-point shooter. Your classic 3 and D guy. Wow. Like me some Tony Snell. Malcolm Brogdon shot 38% his rookie season. Shot four, or Last season, shot 40 in his rookie season. So they had the personnel to shoot the threes. They had Malcolm Brogdon. They had Tony Snell. They even had Toledovich, who shot over 40% last season. Like They had the guys to shoot some of these three-pointers. And wouldn't you expect them to be among the league leaders and three-point shooters if you're able to spread the ball around like that and allow room for Giannis to create in the middle of the court? You'd think. Yes. You'd think. 25th in three-point attempts last season. Hell, even Jabari was shooting like 37 in the 31 games that he played, 36%. I Look, I don't know what Jason Kidd was doing with that team, but I'll tell you this. Mike Budenholzer is going to have that team clicking. I'm a big fan of Mike Budenholzer. You have to love what he did with the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah. Being a Pacers fan, watching them 
play the Atlanta Hawks the season where they got off to a miraculous start in the first half, kind of slipped in the second half, but then faced— That wasn't the 60-win season, was it? No, it was not. No, no, it was not the 60-win season. It was when the Hawks were starting to starting to build something there. I believe it was the 1-8 and eight seed. And remember Pero Antich, right? Pero oh, I Antich, do remember him. Yes, the— the wide shooting center that basically was his one claim to fame was actually hurting the Indiana Pacers. Like that was when you started to see the Hawks start to build something. Then, then all, the sixty win season hit, yeah, right? Then you have Paul Millsap and Kyle Korver, Al and, Horford, and Jeff Teague. All of these guys being able to shoot a little bit, and Mike Budenholzer spreading the ball without a superstar on that team. Mike Budenholzer has a superstar on this team right now. And Giannis with a pretty good supporting cast. Zach Lowe in the predictions that we talked about in the episode prior to this one, he's got Chris Middleton making $30 million at the end of his contract and the next kind of deal that he gets. Like Chris Middleton, by the way, another capable three-point shooter. Mm -hmm. Somebody that could have been taking a lot more attempts as well. I believe he had five. Percentage wasn't great last season, but that's one that I believe will be an anomaly. So Chris Middleton, he has like, this is a talented team. You have good players on this team and you have a superstar. Not a, if it's one game is maybe you have the the fire under the Charlotte Hornets tonight, but I think the larger point here is that the Milwaukee Bucks are a good team, and this is going to be a fun product to see from them coming out on the court against the Charlotte Hornets tonight. It's funny you mentioned three attempts because I just looked at the preseason stats for this team this year. Take a guess how many threes they took. Oh, I was looking. It's it's. I know it's over thirty, but I forget what it was. Forty. <laughs> One, no. <laughs> 41 threes. Yeah, I mean, that's right. Like, look, there's no doubt about it. These teams are going to come out firing. It, and it comes with the Charlotte Hornets too, right? Like, you, we've talked about yeah. this a lot. Marvin Williams is going to be chucking it. You know, mm-hmm. and they're, they're going to be smart. They're going to be maybe not as smart as they were last year because it was only the smart shot that Marvin Williams took. But he's going to increase the volume, and we're going to see him have – and increased three-point attempts this season, right? Like, you're going to see that from a lot of these guys. A lot of this, though, the thing that scares me, especially about the Milwaukee Bucks, is that they're big, they're long, they're rangy, and they play really good defense when they want to. Budenholzer will scheme you up some D and make it look good. They'll be even able to scheme around known traffic cone, Brooke Lopez. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there are things that are going to happen tonight that are going to be things like, oh, I've never seen that from Milwaukee before. No, because Jason Kidd has left the building. And Brooke Lopez, one of the better, is a good shooter now, too. Yes, now he is. he's a stretch five. And it was funny because I, I think I saw Audie Joseph tweet this, I think, mm-hmm. a while ago. And it was hilarious. It was so true. It's like, if you're the Lakers, why don't you just bring back Brooke Lopez? Is Brooke Lopez the second best shooter on that team? The third yes. best shooter on that team if he's there? right? I mean, you're getting guys like Lonzo Ball, JaVale McGee, Lance Stevenson this offseason. It's like, look, Brooke Lopez... Is somebody that helps you stretch the floor if he's left on that team. But the Bucks get him, so Mike Boonholz are going to be able to use that to their benefit. Yeah. So just interesting the similarities that we're going to see. And I think both of these teams taking the right direction. Just the ceiling is significantly higher with the Bucks. The ce- the ceiling for them is Eastern Conference Finals. The ceiling for the Hornets is legitimately the sixth seed. Yeah, like that's there's a massive that difference. is the cap ceiling for the Hornets that you would put on them this year. That is with the Wizards imploding. That is with the Detroit Pistons not making it. That's with the Heat not getting Jimmy Butler and not making it. Like we know there are going to be five teams better than the Hornets. We know it's yeah. going to be Philly, Toronto, Boston, Milwaukee, Indiana. And I think you can safely put Indiana in that com- in, in that conversation. No, I'm sharpening well. that. So I'm sharpening that. Is there a sixth team that you know? is going to be better than the Charlotte Hornets. Like, you would obviously bet 
I, I would have the Charlotte Hornets finishing behind the Wizards and finishing behind the Heat, but there's not another team that you know is going to be better than the Hornets unless the Heat get Jimmy Butler, and then they are. I don't trust the – again, we've gone over this. I don't trust right. the Heat. I supremely do not trust the Washington Wizards. There's entirely too much smoke. Well, you expect you expect the apocalypse to happen with Washington. When you add Dwight Howard to that locker room, what do you think is going to happen? And Austin Rivers. So – yeah, I mean, you look at you look at both of these teams. I just find it similar to the different kind of pace that they're going to play this season. I'm interested in both of these teams mm-hmm. because of both of these head coaches. I think both are good. I think both are going to be fun. I think the Bucks are going to be fun to watch. I think the Hornets are going to be fun with some of the new talent that they have and are committed to, along with Kimba Walker, who is one of the most underrated fun guys in the league. Like people, absolutely, generally generally agree to him being one of the more underrated players just talent just as far as how good they are Kimball Walker is one of the more underrated he's also one of the more underrated fun guys in the league and so the Hornets are going to be a fun team to watch like their league pass ranking that Zach Lowe comes out with like I feel like the league pass ranking is it was significantly it, it high was for premature. him it was for him it was high right who yeah. has kind of Sean or kind of has has rained on the parade of Charlotte Hornets fans their entire you know I guess five year existence in the last five year recent memory yes but I think that you could have a good league pass ranking for the Charlotte Hornets team this season and same for the Milwaukee Bucks and I'm excited to see what's going to happen here tonight also on a classic night which mm-hmm. is going to be fun not that you're going to get your butt swoosh that you've always been wanting to see the honeycomb I hate you so much right now <laughs> the honeycomb in the free throw lane the basketball free throw line I, the classic night is going to be cool for these fans to experience at least and that's why like we we put a grade on the marketing campaign of the Charlotte Hornets like I'm, give them a damn a plus man no no they've done no they've done so well in marketing this nostalgia shout out Pete Quilly. yeah shout out to Pete Quilly. shout out to everybody that works hard on getting everybody to care about these these classic nights I just hope that the people that come out tonight stay for another couple of games. Yeah. I think they're missing out on a great product. If you have friends that you that aren't just into the Hornets or they fell out of love, take them to a game. That's the best thing you can do as a friend. But back to this game, the one thing I do worry about with the amount of threes and the amount of threes that Milwaukee's hitting right now, we know how bad this three-point defense is. Maybe, may, yeah, maybe we take the micro perspective in the next segment. Maybe we took the macro there for both of these teams. Let's take the micro. Let's take the matchup of as far as what to expect tonight. Maybe in the first game of the season and other stuff to look for, maybe beyond just the three-point shooting that both of these teams are going to be implementing. Uh, real quickly, if you want to support our show and the amazing people that put it together, consider joining our Patreon community, just as our buddy Jason did so long ago. For as little as $1 a month, you can help us keep making the Daily Hornets content that you've come to to trust go to patreon.com slash loh there's a link in the description of this episode get entered into our contest for free bobbleheads and tickets and get access to content before anyone else patreon.com slash loh every dollar goes to making this the best hornets talk in all of charlotte i'm walker mail alongside nada edwards we'll be back in just one second this is Locked on Hornets. And I'm, I have plenty of Hurricane snacks. Went out and bought some Chex Mix. <laughs> yeah. Which What kind of Chex Mix? This savory, it was a savory Chex Mix. It's you're a, an, a lot you're, of cheese going on in that Chex oh, Mix. You're an expert on Chex Mix, correct? Right? Well, on I, just I'm, trail mix. I'm very particular about my trail mix. I'm what not as particular, particular about, about my Chex Mix. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast.
Welcome back to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. If you plan to watch the game at home tonight, here's what you can expect. You're going to expect Curry's interview with Hornets general manager Mitch Kupchak. That'll be cool to see. Not going to see that a whole lot. Yep. Uh, Got to hear from him. We talked about some of his comments yesterday, but this is going to be one of the few times that you're going to get to see an interview, right? I mean, Mitch Kupchak probably ain't going to be doing many of these. Even though he's around the building (laughs) (laughs) 24-7. Right. He's not going to be doing many of these. I would expect maybe more than Rich Cho did, but Mitch Kupchak, I would expect not too many opportunities to see that. So that'll be cool to see on the broadcast tonight. Eric Collins and Del Curry's discussion around the new look Hornets and the excitement around opening night. That's Mm going to be fun to see. Uh, One thing that's going to have my attention as far as the actual game itself, before the game itself, I should say, the recognition of the original 1988-1989 Hornets roster. Wow. Going to live in some nostalgia with you for a little bit. Nada. That will include Del Curry himself, the man. Makes sense. Muggsy Bogues. Makes sense. Rex Chapman. Makes sense. Earl Curitan, Robert Reed, Brian Rosum, and Kelly Trapuca. And you also have the debut of originally produced 30th anniversary vignettes, beginning with a look back at the team's opening night in 1988, featuring interviews with Chapman, Curry, and former NBA commissioner David Stern. How awesome is that? And the Hornets president, Fred Whitfield. The season-long series will showcase storylines spanning all three decades of the franchise. Man, I know we just told them about giving them an A-plus in the last segment, yeah. but how awesome is that? Like, I'm, I am so... I am so on board to see some of the history. Like, you know what ESPN is doing, mm-hmm. Basketball Love Story, where they're giving these seven parts and you're getting to watch the history of the game. It's really cool to be able to see this be incorporated with the season, This just the history of the franchise itself, getting these guys incorporated back into the story. Like, I love every bit of this. Yeah, I, I, I as someone that loves history, that loves knowledge, I'm like Johnny Five from Short Circuit sometimes, <laughs> where I just look to crave that knowledge and the history and everything along the lines of that. This is really cool. Just getting all this stuff that we again, it's added value for what uh, for the experience, and it just gives kids a chance to understand their history of basically the history of basketball in Charlotte, which is such a big thing because. Again, it's 30 years. It's 30 years of professional sports in Charlotte. Where we're finally starting to hit a, a decent mark, right? Like yeah. it, it was, you know, for so long, we've been such a young sports franchise. And we and it still is when you compare it to a lot of other franchises out there. I mean, certainly, you know, the Charlotte Hornets, the Orlando Magic, the Minnesota Timberwolves, you know, all of those teams, just the younger the teams, team. right? The Miami Heat as well. Like just thinking of those younger teams and of course some teams that have come in since then as well. Like, I mean, you you have some some teams that just don't have the history like now you're starting to get a, a good portion of it here 30 years is a decent amount of time and so it's just cool to go and, and look back on this anniversary and I'm excited to see a lot of these guys uh, get introduced once again the one name that I would do because I know that Colin Hoggard who's been on the show you've talked to him before yeah former radio partner of mine, he brought something up on Saturday that really does resonate with me yeah the tweet right he tweeted out that he hopes that Gerald Wallace does not get lost in all this recognition. And I agree with him because, and again, you know, everyone that's listened to this show knows me, knows my passion, knows that Gerald Wallace is probably one of the most underrated Charlotte at professional athletes ever. He needs his day. He needs his moment in the sun. He was never fully appreciated here. If that sounds familiar, we're all, we can also add that to Kemba Walker's resume, but I think for Gerald Wallace, he needs a day in the sun. I'm not saying retire his jersey because I do not want to start that entire debate all over again. 
But I do think that if we're going to start recognizing the history of Charlotte basketball in this town, you cannot do it without telling the story of Gerald Wallace. Yeah, I, I love Gerald Wallace. And I know a lot of people would say, well, you didn't put him high as what I wanted to on your Charlotte Hornets list. And look, I, I get it. Like, I, I love me some Gerald Wallace myself. I, I still have a T-shirt that I had to have in high school where he was the only all-star in Charlotte Bobcat history. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I need that T-shirt because that's going to be a part of history. And unless we get lucky in the latter half of the Bobcat days, then Gerald Wallace is going to be the only guy. Like Al Jefferson, the only all-NBA performer in a Charlotte Bobcat uniform. But Gerald Wallace got to at least showcase the jersey on an all-star weekend. And that was awesome. That was awesome. And I mean, that's the thing. It's stuff like that. We tell the stories. We tell the underrated stories. I mean, there's got to be a Walter Hernman story just of the ridiculousness. I hope so. I hope so, man. That'll be cool. That'll be cool for all of us to kind of relive that moment. And and I agree. Like you mentioning Gerald Wallace, hoping that that he gets his day in the sun. I would completely agree with you because uh, as oftentimes we do look past those Bobcat days because how could you not? It's some of the worst things that you've ever seen from a specific franchise in sports history we you know the nba it the bobcats quite literally have the worst winning percentage of a season in professional sports in all of professional sports i mean well you look you know some of the or some of the defeated teams in nfl so you're just talking about basketball right but but still like it's an awful winning percentage so in the nba you're talking about the worst franchise of all time and Gerald Wallace just so happened to be on that team, or excuse me, Kimball Walker just so happened to be on that team, and he's the best Charlotte Hornet, and he's got to live past that, right? Like Gerald Wallace, we we got to a postseason with him, but that was just completely with the Bobcats. Like he didn't get to see a Charlotte Hornet uniform like Kimba has done to see a little bit of a resurrection of pride in this team. Gerald never really got the love either. We're really going to be honest about this. Well, I I feel like people were pretty angry when they traded him to the Portland Trailblazers. And that was cool to see everybody mad. And I wonder if there's any kind of bad blood between the organization and the trade that happened to Gerald Wallace and and him himself, if there's any kind of bad blood. I hope not. I I really, because if LJ and the Hornets organization can make up or that's what we've been basically seeing slash hearing, I hope that we can the fences can be mended between Gerald Wallace and this franchise. And I could be completely speculating. Like I yeah. know Gerald, I know Gerald Wallace wasn't exactly thrilled when he was traded from Charlotte, but I, I could be like I mean everything could be cool. I just hope that that's not a case. But yeah, no, too. exactly. I'm 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 absolutely with you. I want to see Gerald Wallace get honored. All right, badly. so real quickly, we'll we'll uh, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back. We'll recap what happened between the 76ers and the Boston Celtics last night, as well as the Oklahoma City Thunder and Golden State Warriors. Maybe take a look at some other games that intrigue us, and also get into our predictions for tonight. Maybe some matchups to look at. A lot more to come here in the third segment of the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Walker Mayo, alongside Nada Edwards. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. We don't want that Pacers talk. You got to respect the satchel. We don't want that Cavs talk. (laughs) What you got, Doug? I have the entirety. I turned this satchel a little loud today. (laughs) Be quiet, satchel. No, we're it's a club banging in here. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Back to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do 
and that's make more sales. So, Nada, you watched the game last night. Yes, I did, because you should know this better than anybody else, because I texted you during this game because I was getting supremely annoyed (laughs) at the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, 76ers didn't look great. They lost by almost 20, losing by 18 to the Boston Celtics. The Celtics score 105 to Philly's 87. Uh, A couple things that I took away from this game. One is that Jason Tatum is a smooth mofo yeah and you look at what he did against philadelphia he really had to step up in the struggles that kyrie irving exhibited out there on the court yeah no he wasn't good at all and gordon hayward is rusty four of 12 no doubt about it gordon hayward rusty deservedly so after coming back from an injury like that not playing meaningful basketball in a long time and kyrie irving going two of 14 you know just having a bad night and jason tatum your leading scorer by a lot by the way for the celtics outscoring marcus morris by seven and the highest score among the starters by a lot and even al horford you know just taking seven attempts from the field but only hitting four shots only hitting nine points and jason tatum was somebody to really look at with his 17 attempts going nine of 17 hitting 23 points i mean jason tatum man he looked fantastic the big thing that I came away from, because while you mentioned Horford didn't have that much impact offensively, what he did, to, him and Baines did defensively to Embiid to slow him down, make him think. And as I told you pre-show, the minute you start thinking about the way these things go with the Boston Celtics, the Celtics are already one step, two steps ahead of you on defense. Once you start slowing down, you're done. Well, Danny Ainge finally has a team now that all of these assets are starting to accumulate into something special you yes. see. It's these these assets have grown legs. These mm-hmm. draft selection have grown arms, long arms, arms that can shoot, arms that are talented. And oh, now now I see, right? Now mm-hmm. I can see where this Boston Celtics team is going. So this team build up and how can you not love it? Yeah. And you you finally have a veteran point guard who hit the biggest shot for a franchise in its history with Cleveland and yep. Kyrie Irving. You have Gordon Hayward, who is one of the more underrated players until he finally got the light of being in Boston and everybody got excited. But you know, you could see him, I think it was a couple years ago, I got to see a Utah Jazz and Charlotte Hornets game over at the Spectrum Center, and I think that time, Time Warner Cable Arena. But you got to see Gordon Hayward. Like that guy was the best player on the court then. Like not not yeah. to say that he was that not to get into who's better, Gordon Hayward or Kemba Walker right now, but at least that night. You know, Gordon Hayward was the best player, and it wasn't even close. The no. guy's smooth and is fantastic. So if Gordon Hayward is able to come back from injury, you have Kyrie Irving, you have the ever-developing young talent of Kyrie Ir- or of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Mm-hmm. Oh, now you have some other guys off the bench like Marcus Smart, who's going to play his role and just irritate the hell out of you. And you're going to have Scary Terry, who I believe Zach Lowe may said is did he, did he say I think he did he's going to get the Sixth Man of the Year award, which I could see it. Yeah, people love themselves some Scary Terry, including Drew Bledsoe, and so Al Horford, also a guy that's just going to do what you need him to do. Mm-hmm. Like this Boston, oh, and Aaron Beans, Aaron Baines is hitting threes now. Yeah, exactly. I this is, and we saw him last year develop this shot. But now Aaron Baines is a physical beast and a nuisance down low defensively. Oh, and he's going to... He's pull, a goon. He's, Let's get this right. Aaron he, Baines is a goon. But he's a shooting goon. Like it, it Now this guy is going to put one foot in front of the other. It's not going to look the, like the prettiest shot in the world, but he's going to hit corner threes. And oh, now I can't stay down here and, and park in exactly. the paint and defend and protect the rim. Now I have to go step out and and protect a three-point attempt from Aaron Baines, of all people. Like, Boston's, Boston is built so well right now. And it's going to be even funnier when they trade for Anthony Davis by February. <laughs> no, well, he signed with LeBron's agency group. I mean, he, you don't think he's going to L.A., right? No, Anthony I think Davis? he's going to a place that he can win. 
I also think that Boston's the type of team. Well, you get Davis and LeBron, they can win. Yeah, of course they can win. And so if he goes there to the to LeBron land, I don't doubt that to L.A. Bron, then yeah, Anthony Davis and the Lakers are going to do some work. That ain't the issue though, Walker. What I'm telling you is they got the assets to basically circumvent this and say. We no, you're right. You're going to win. We're going to give you a whole bun- bunch of money. And you know what? You don't have to worry about anybody else in the East. Oh, and we have, right, three potential first-round picks possibly coming our way. Like here, here, New Orleans, you can have this. No, I get you. I get you. It's amazing what the Boston Celtics have been able to build, and you're finally starting to see the finished product. All right, I don't really care about Golden State and Oklahoma City. I didn't stay up long enough. <laughs> well, I, I didn't either. Oklahoma City didn't have Russell Westbrook. You know, Golden State, they have – I will say this. I did watch the ring ceremony. Mm-hmm. One, what do you think of the reversible rings? Have you seen these? The, I've seen them. I kind of like them. I kind of don't. I think it's awesome that you have the different color scheme of diamonds on either side. Like, that's pretty baller. Yeah. I do like seeing the rings. Uh, it's funny to see Steve Kerr immediately upon getting it kind of like weigh his hand down, it, signifying how heavy it is and how big it is. I also love my favorite part about all this is you're seeing some of the older guys in the organization mm-hmm. get introduced, walk out, walk out onto the court, shake Adam Silver's hand. But how about Adam Silver? Adam Silver is the dap master. I mean, he is the dap master. He's dapping these guys up. I love like Ron Adams, one of the guys yeah. involved in Golden State's organization. He'll probably 70 years old, something like that, going for a firm grown man handshake. And Adam Silver just signed the dap these guys. I help, it, It's hilarious. He holds it at a, a, a high degree angle, right? At an angle where you cannot go in for the normal shake. And it's like, okay, I, I guess I'll dap you. You've given me no choice here, Adam. And that boy... That boy's invited to the barbecue, right? Oh, of course, of course Adam Silver's <laughs> invited to the barbecue. What are we talking about? He's been invited to the barbecue for at least a couple years now. Since I he, mean, kicked, he kicked Donald Sterling out. He's good with me. No, you're right. And upon that and upon seeing all of that, like that's, I saw one guy like going for a normal handshake and then Adam Silver's like, nah, fam, bring it in. It's like the oh, Key and Peele skit that exactly. we're seeing go all over Twitter. It's, you know, bring it in, fam. You know, I like that. Are you in there, dog? Yeah, exactly. Are you in there, dog? That's Adam Silver. No, th- that's the thing. How long do you think he practices DAP, though? Because clearly, he's a practice DAP guy. There's like a part on his Google calendar that says, okay, time to practice my DAP. And he's got some random intern that he brings in, and they just DAP it up for about half hour. He's got a PhD in DAPing, and I'm not mad at it. No. That guy is. Nor should you. He is the guy that is the DAP master. Looking at the Bucks and the Hornets here tonight. Nada, what do you think happens tonight? Who do you think wins? Give me a score. Just overall thoughts on the first regular season game for Charlotte. Bucks by 10. I think Bucks get about 105, 105.95 Bucks. I think there's a good showing. I just don't trust this three-point defense. As 95 is low for the Charlotte Hornets. You think a low point total for Charlotte? I think Milwaukee's defense is better than we're giving it credit for. I'm going to take, I don't know what the over-under is on this game. I probably could look if I was a good host and did my research, but I would probably. There's like, always tomorrow. I'm, I'm leaning towards a high-scored game. I'm going to say that the Bucks score about, give me give me the Bucks scoring 115. Give me Charlotte scoring like, I'll say it's closer, 115 to 107. Bucks win. I can yeah, I can see that too. Though. Yeah, one fifteen, one oh seven for Charlotte. Defensively, Charlotte still has some things to figure out. And, some and well, some right. Well, I'm the one giving them one hundred fifteen. Like you don't got to tell me. I'm giving I'm giving them a one fifteen. So give me one fifteen. Give me one oh seven. But I think if you're hoping that the Hornets win tonight, if you're trying to validate it in your head, it's believing in the mantra of a classic night. It's the opening night. It's on your home floor. It's all of those things. I don't think you truly look at each of these teams and think, one, that the Charlotte Hornets are better than Milwaukee. No, it's not one of those things. It's also one, It's another thing that 
both of these teams have kinks to work out. And it's about yeah. which team has worked out more of the kinks before game one. Now, if it's the Hornets, that's a really good sign considering they need to win early and often. Yep, and they can do it here in October with a couple of games. they got a couple of games against the Chicago Bulls. We'll get to talk to – hopefully we'll get to talk to our counterparts over at the Lockdown Bulls podcast. we got to talk to them? No, we'll we'll bring them on. I I don't want to talk to them. No, we'll bring them on. I want to do it. I want to bring the guys on so we can talk about the Bulls. But they face them in October. I believe they face the Heat, which is going to be a couple important games there facing Miami which is a team they're going to be contending with for mm-hmm. that 8, 7, 9, 10 spot. Not that you want the 9 or 10, but that's certainly within the nine realm of possibility. 9 or 10 is a failure. Right. Well, that's certainly within the realm of possibility. So those are going to be the seeds that each of those teams are facing and uh, facing the reality of maybe at the end of the season. Going to be interesting to see how the Charlotte Hornets start off here in the month of October. All right, we'll take uh, this to the end here. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast, Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll be back. Recap Charlotte Hornets, Milwaukee Bucks tomorrow. See you guys.